This is a Media Lab podcast. Do you ever wonder what it is to find yourself or to lose yourself? Welcome to Explore, a fiction anthology podcast that transports listeners to worlds that mirror our own. My name is Andrew G. Cooper, and I'll be your host. You're about to listen to episode one, The Folly, by Madeline Hunter-Smith. The story follows Winslow, who's recently moved to a chic inner-city neighborhood in the big city from her farm town. After exploring a seemingly abandoned ruined site while walking her neighbor's dog, Winslow discovers that her world is not all it seems to be. Explore is a site-specific podcast series. How does it work? You should be listening to this episode at Dead Man's Castle, a ruined site in the Rideau Park neighborhood of Calgary Southwest. Not in Calgary? Don't worry. You can still listen to the podcast whenever and wherever you like. For our more adventurous local souls, you can find out how to get to the location in the show notes or on our website at theaterjupiter.com slash explore. If you haven't already, we recommend you download the episode, grab your headphones, and head out into the city. Explore your world. Experience lore. Before we dive in, I want to tell you about another great podcast I think you'll love. Play Me from CBC Podcasts is proud to present a new series, The Quarantine Chronicles. The Chronicles are seven works of audio fiction written by top North American playwrights invited to write short audio plays that capture the spirit of our distanced, disorienting, and deranged times with wonderfully weird results. You can listen to Play Me and The Quarantine Chronicles on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. If you can hear this, you've found me. That means it isn't over yet. There's still hope. I'm going to tell you a story. It's the story of something that happened to me, something that has happened to others, something that will happen to others still. I'm not sure it will ever stop. Come on, Luna. Come on, girl, this way. I cannot provide science or reason to explain what has happened. I can only provide my word. I hope that will be enough for you. My name is Winslow, and I walk Luna like this every day. Up before eight, cross the road to Miss Chang's house, the blue one with the big picture window, right across from my apartment building. Go through the backyard, Luna's already waiting outside for me. Grab her leash from the hook by the patio door and head out down to the river valley. Today, it's raining. Luna's black and white tail wags as I walk behind her, swiping gently across my knees. I breathe in. The moisture in the air tickles the back of my throat. Thunder tumbles down the sides of the river valley, rolling through my chest. I inhale sharply. The thunder evokes something in me, some sense of adventure. These walks are the most fun I've had since moving to the city. And as I look down at Luna, I discovered I'm embarrassed to admit that. Embarrassed that I might just be the weird reclusive dog girl. When I finally secured my own apartment in a desirable inner city neighborhood, I was certain that would be when my life would truly begin, my real life. 
but making friends, finding things to do, it's been difficult. I've always been a bit awkward when it comes to socialization, but now here, I've been lonelier than ever. Funny how even in a city with millions of people, I can still feel completely isolated. Miss Chang is the only one of my neighbors who has opened up to me, allowed me the courtesy of a few words, homemade gifts. I'm more thankful for her kindness than I'd like to admit. It's a bit humiliating, my only friend being almost triple my age, but I take what I can get. I remember the day I met her, after I thought I'd go crazy if I checked my mail one more time just for something to do. She was struggling up her porch steps with some groceries. Hey there, do you want to hang oh. with those? Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to scare you. I just saw, you look like you might need help. Do you need help? She looked at me in a strange way, like she almost recognized me. Where did you come from? Uh, just across the street? No, where did you come from? I, um... Just moved here a couple of weeks ago from a farm a little south. My name's Winslow. I stuck out my hand to shake. Miss Chang didn't take it. I can smell it on you. The farm? I gave myself a discreet sniff. No way my clothes still smelled like hay and animals. I'd done laundry 20 times since I unpacked just out of sheer boredom. Miss Chang held a bag of groceries out to me after a long moment. Well, come on then. Too surprised to be offended, I took the bag and followed her inside. From there, we became friends of a sort. I walked her dog and she fed me, paid me a little money. My visits to her house were curt and strange, but frequent. We spent a lot of time sitting in quiet together. Luna took an interest in me almost immediately, following me around the house anywhere I went. Miss Chang herself watched me with her dark eyes like she wanted to trust me, but couldn't. I don't really blame her. An older woman, no family to look out for her, no photos of friends, no photos of children on her mantle, just lots and lots of dogs. Cute dogs, I said to her one morning after bringing Luna home. We were having a cup of coffee in her living room as I pointed to the framed pictures above the fireplace. Hmm, they have been my protectors. Like guard dogs? In a way, dogs, see they know. They can sense things, see things that our eyes don't. She blinked, squinting at me again. You remind me so much of myself, Winslow. Gifted, unlike this world, unlike the rest of the people in it. Gifted? I'm sure you felt that. I know I did. I feel frustrated, I guess, more than anything. I thought I'd be doing more moving here, experiencing more. You know, doing what the young people do. What is it you are looking for? Something that makes moving here feel worthwhile. Be wise. Those who go looking for trouble often find it. People like us, we cast shadows that we don't see. What? You can get out. I did. Miss Chang, are you all right? But she got up and hurried into her kitchen like she was running away. Like she'd said too much. She never spoke about it again. So now I'm here. My only friends are an old woman and her dog, and I'm still waiting for this city to feel like my home. Still waiting for something extraordinary to happen. Hey, Luna, what's... She pulls me to the side of the running path with a hard jerk. Probably just a squirrel in the trees. There are a million squirrels here. 
Luna, enough. Let's go. I give her a small tug on her leash to get us going again, but she doesn't notice. I look out into the trees, searching for an answer. I feel eyes somehow. The most looked at I have felt in weeks. My stomach tightens. Why am I afraid? I don't notice my hand has loosened its grip around Luna's leash until it's too late. At first, my body doesn't process the panic, but as I'm turning to face the dog, she isn't there. I see the white tip of her tail disappear behind the bush, undergrowth snapping under her paws. Luna! Luna! Come here, Luna! Come here, girl! Come on! Shit! Come back! I follow through the bushes, tangled leaves and roots feeling the icy prickle of my blood with every step. I cannot lose this dog. I cannot give my only ally in this lonely city a reason to hate me. Come here, Luna. Come here, girl. I hear Luna's barking in the distance. Distracted, I trip on a root and stumble into a stern, cool tree trunk. It scrapes my palms. I keep going, the sting hot and raw in my hands. When I finally catch up with Luna, my heart is racing. I have leaves, twigs caught in my hair. I'm sweating, but it's cold, clammy with the rain. Luna's found something. Something that if I had a fraction of a second less to look, I would have thought was a trick of the light. A shimmering pale yellow outline of someone. A woman, but long, thin, stretched grotesquely beyond the natural, hovering like vapor. It sees me, I can feel it seeing me. It's pallid featureless face fixed in my direction. I breathe in to say something, but the apparition disappears, dissolving into the rain. Luna panics and tears off again. I follow, exhausted, but then I see it. A brown, deteriorated sandstone wall nestled within the trees, tucked up the valley. It gleams in the gray light, slick with rain. Blue and green graffiti adorns the jagged, pitted bricks held together with crumbling yellow mortar. There are pockets of space between some of the bricks, as if someone had removed them or they'd fallen away. How have we never seen this before? I hear something buzzing in the back of my skull, like static or maybe the wing beat of insects. My mind feels distant. Oh, right. At first, I don't see the dog, but I take a few steps towards the tree line and there she is, black and white tail wagging back and forth like crazy. She's barking ferociously at something an enormous slab set into the ground, composed of what looks like the same material as the wall, a pale, weathered sandstone. I get a closer look at Luna, who has ducked underneath the slab, her hind legs sticking out. Hey, leave it. Leave it alone. I approach the dog, wet body hugged underneath the sandstone lair, and gently sneak my hand under her collar. I crouch down, crane my head underneath the slab too. I'm met with a stagnant, clammy stench. Fungal stalactites grow from the ceiling, only a foot or so from the earth. Death. My nose wrinkles in disgust. Luna is panting heavily beside me, airy, whining sounds escaping her throat. I squint, peering as far back into the darkness as I can. Then, something comes into view, pale and brown, floating near the back of the hollow. I can't quite make it out, but... The longer I stare, the more unease I feel. The hair on my arm stands up with a chill. The thing, it seems almost like a face. Looking at me. I have a thought. It's waiting. Waiting for me to crawl in on my belly and join it. Suddenly, I can't keep looking anymore. I take Luna's leash in my slick hands and pull, pull, pull. 
Later, I'm dropping Luna off at Miss Chang's house. The whole way back up the river valley, I had racked my brain. How could I explain what I just saw or what I thought I saw? Should I even try? I looked down at Luna beside me, walking with her head down. We're both sopping wet, covered in mud, seeds, leaves. <laughs> I almost laugh. Hi, Miss Chang. Here's your dog. She went nuts, and I chased her through the forest to some creepy old hole in the ground. She's absolutely filthy and might have ticks. Bye. I'm holding my breath as I climb up Miss Chang's front porch and knock. I look around, anxious, though I can't place why. I've dealt with anxiety most of my life, but this sensation is different, malevolent. Uh, Miss Chang opens the door. She squints in the gray light and stares at her dog, stringy fur still dripping. The dog stares back, dark eyes unblinking, almost too wise for a dog. Finally, Miss Chang turns back to me, her face solemn as ash. What did she see? I swallow hard. I consider telling her about the visions I'd seen for a split second between the trees, under the slab, but decide against it. I can't manage it. I don't know, Miss Chang. I really don't. I ask her if she knows anything about the strange sandstone wall built into the river valley. She squints again in her strained, myopic way, her full face shifting upwards, wrinkling together at her nose, then relaxing down again. Oh, the castle. The castle? Yes, yes. Not much of one now, anyway. How long has it been there? Many years. It's been called Deadman's Castle since I arrived here. Some people call it the Folly. It's fitting. The Folly? Hmm. Big waste of time and money. A doctor brought the land a long time ago, built his house on it. Splendid thing. Or at least it was supposed to be. Misjudge how much it would cost him, I guess. Or some other stupid thing that men with too much money do. When he passed, no one took it over, so it's been abandoned ever since. All that is left are a couple of sad little walls, and some tunnel underneath. Tunnels? Really? What for? You know, I just can't wait to see the whole thing gone. Wish the city would just tear it down ready. I have written so many letters, and they won't do a thing. I'm ready to do it myself. But I can't. Can't risk going back. Back? A pause, a beat small enough to fit through the space between breaths. You're not of that now. Oh, my apple trees have stopped blossoming. I'll send you home with some apples when they come. All right, dear? Maybe you can make a nice pie. As she turns inside, she leans into me. If I hadn't been paying attention, I may not have caught it. Her tight jaw burning eyes halfway hidden under the unassuming dip of her brow. Don't go back. As the door shuts, I catch Luna in my sights, peeking timidly around the corner inside. Her eyes scream something I can't describe. bedroom wall glows. It's ten to three. I feel watched. Eyes on me again. I go to the window. Who could be out there now? Surely no one in this rain. Just anxiety. Just a bad dream. I look down. 
The water on the street reflects the sallow luminescence of the street lamps as it pours down the hill. I watch it flow down, 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 down to the river valley, back home. Miss Chang had said there were tunnels underneath the foundation. Tunnels. As I look down the street, I think I see eyes glowing and predatory. Are they real? Steady like wolves or dogs. Scalding pain sears through my neck. It stung me. I plucked the dead creature from my windowsill, pinching its crumpled wings between my two fingers. Why was it in my room? I moved to the balcony door, creak it open, step outside. I drop the wasp three stories, watch it fall into the groomed, clean shrubs below like another raindrop. The muscles in my swelling neck twinge. I look out into the night. I'm going back. I can't describe why it's exciting. The same sort of blood rush that comes from reading a scary story alone at night. My legs are moving on their own back into the woods. My brain is sparking like a live wire, conducting electricity through the iron taste at the back of my mouth. I feel like a magnet, pull, pull, pulling. Miss Chang's voice echoes in my bones. Those, Those who go looking, who go for, looking trouble for trouble often find it. Don't, Don't go, go back. Why not? What if this is the adventure I've been waiting for? What if this is exactly what my life needs? Miss Chang seemed to know more about the place than she let on. Maybe I can find out what's down there for real, put her old mind at ease. For once, I'm not so alone. I feel important. I will be the one to find out exactly what lies beneath those sandstone walls. I'll find the truth. I climb through the woods, due west of the bike path. I'm counting my steps as I cross the forest floor to the layer of sandstone where Luna had been barking and squirming on her belly just this morning. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I count to 31 and then I'm there, squatting down on my heels, bowing my head underneath the slab. My mouth feels full of cotton, my knuckles stiff as I grip the edge of the rough stone. I blink hard. The face that was not a face isn't there. I breathe out, not realizing I was holding my breath in the first place. All right, I say out loud. Let's see what's back there. My face is just inches from the dirt as I wriggle underneath the slab. I pull myself forward with my arms, dirt creeping under my nails. The place still smells like something died. I can feel my own breath hot on my face and suddenly I'm aware of how stupid this is. My heartbeat quickens. Shh. A voice from inside me croons. It's not that small. Don't panic. You're fine. I make my way as far back as I can go before the ground beneath me drops off, forming a ledge. I think I can see the bottom when I look down. Okay, I think. Just a little further. Don't back out now. You came all the way here. Don't back out. Don't back. I swing one leg over, then the other, and drop. The ground is further away than I thought it would be. Oh shit! Ah! My knees buckle and I let out a yelp. I can't tell if I'm hurt. I don't think I am. Lucky. My feet press into the exposed floor, my nose filling with the acrid sense of decomposition. In front of me, there's a rotten door looming in the void like a nightmare. 
I rest my hand on it and its cool old planks feel like flesh. I push it open, revealing a shadowy, winding cavern, a tunnel. The air around me sucks through the doorway like a vacuum. My heart spikes tunnels, I found them. Fear prickles at my skin and I can feel my body cold like a corpse, sweaty and crawling under my clothes. I wonder if I'm about to have a panic attack, but I try hard to banish the thought. No, I tell myself. You're not going to panic. You're safe. It's just exploring. There's nothing here to be afraid of. I go through the door. I'm holding my breath again, except this time I know it. At first, it's not so bad. I'm going forward, forward, running my hands along the sticky cavern wall, allowing it to guide me, feeling its corners and bends. The air is sour and makes my eyes water. My anxiety menaces me from my periphery, but I bite my tongue to keep it away. The further I go, the more it seems that the tunnel I traverse is shrinking, becoming tighter and tighter around every corner. Is it? Or am I just freaking out? My shoulders begin to hug in, my hips press firm against the cool walls. It is. It is shrinking. It must be. I turn my body to take a step backward, but the walls only close in tighter. That panic lurking at the margin of my consciousness finally seeps into the folds of my brain. My lungs try to heave, but they're caged by my breaking ribs. Turn around, the voice inside me says. Turn around, but I can't. The only thing I can do is go forward. Forward like a rat in a maze. My ribs creak with pressure. I go on. I hear a snap. My shoulders shifting, shattering. I go on. I think I see something ahead, a sliver of warm orange light flickering just a little further. The walls are against the sides of my skull now, pushing. I reach out my hand, my fingers broken, flattened, long, and inhuman, stretching desperately towards the exit. My vision dims. I won't make it. I won't. Then... My head thuds on the... What is that? The ground? Dirt fills my open mouth. I hear the vertebrae in my neck snapping, but it doesn't hurt. I breathe. My vision returns, and I open my eyes, heavy like mud. I see... Shoes? Black, polished shoes at the bottom of long, pleated brown pants, just visible in the glimmering light. Can I move? My, you must be exhausted. I twitch my finger. Yes, yes. Here, allow me. I feel hands hot as flame gripping my crushed shoulders, and suddenly I'm being lifted off the ground. My head sags atop a broken neck. I feel my kneecaps clicking against the wrong side of my legs as I'm placed down on both feet. I wobble, but don't fall. I'm surprised I'm even alive at all. There we are. Much better. My eyes slide over with a conscious effort. I see him. A man. He's tall and thin, with a neatly groomed beard and a pair of round spectacles perched on the tip of his nose. He's entirely dressed in clothes I don't recognize. His tailcoat looks crisp, his collar flat and sharp. He's smiling at me, unblinking. I hardly notice how loud the buzzing noise in the back of my head has become. It's almost overwhelming. Now, my name is Lindsay. 
The man gestures behind him with his two long arm, indicating a staircase. After you. The planks are rotted through green with cavernous moss. The man's eyes are trained on me like icy crosshairs, and I know I don't have a choice. I climb, hearing my feet dragging in the dirt, my breath catching in my twisted lungs like metal. The man ushers me through a long hallway, then to a parlor. The furniture here is perfect despite seeming a century old. A glistening candle chandelier is suspended from the arching ceiling. The walls boast immaculate masonry and oil paintings I've never seen the likes of. They depict scenes of flame and darkness encroaching on verdant meadows. Several black voids outline each piece, like holes in space, and long, thin bodies come tumbling out, making their way through the trees. A fire roars in its place nearby. I sink into the red settee, my muscles like liquid bones scraping against one another. The man doesn't sit, just stares on at me, smiling. The air is thick, oppressive, wrong. But the mansion itself is immaculate. Dead Man's Castle is not just a pile of stone, not a folly or a failed dream. Here, wherever here is, it is exquisite. Remarkable, isn't it? Had your world not been so hostile, this is what you could have had. This and all its boons. Pity. His eyes flicker. I imagine you're afraid. Confused. It's perfectly natural. But you have nothing to fear. I... I'm a doctor of sorts. You may have heard of me. It feels almost like a question. A doctor? I think back to Miss Chang, only for a second before she disappears. My brain cannot hold on to anything in this place. You may know my work. In fact, I'm willing to wager that you do. Have you ever come down with an illness? Broken a bone? Watched someone you loved die. He moves like a snake. His smile widens, bearing an impossible number of teeth in two yellowed rows as the words drool out of him like honey. You've come here looking for an adventure. Isn't that right? Now you have found it. I have a task for you. A task reserved only for those with certain... Mm, Gifts. Gifts? The word feels so familiar. You've always been a part of something bigger, Winslow. You see, my prior living arrangements have been... compromised. He knows my name, but I never told him. I've made my home among you for many, many years. But it seems as though there are those that wish to see me... erased from history from the universe itself. As a matter of fact, your friend. His grip tightens around the back of a velvet armchair, white knuckles bulging. Counts herself among them. I need someone of your constitution to help me move a few things. From there to here. The fire flickers, dying out. How long have we been here? The shadows from each corner of the room slink in like a blight, creeping up the walls with long, raking fingers. Where, Where am I? I? 
My voice sounds like breaking glass. I can't tell if I've spoken out loud. I reach up to touch my face, my lips, but feel nothing. Just swollen peaks and gaunt valleys of leathery flesh. No eyes, no nose, no mouth, just rot. The man smiles wider, the corners of his lips nearly touching his eyes like an Ouroboros. Out the inky window, I see them again. Hundreds of pairs of floating eyes, fox-like, gleaming from the dark spaces between dead trees. Fireflies in the night, watching. I force myself back through the tunnel. It's easier now that my body has adapted. Squeeze through. It hurts less. I emerge from underneath the sandstone slab again, the smell of fungus hitting the bottom of my lungs like liquor, and I stagger to my feet to look around. The impressive wrongness of the air has dissolved, leaving the crisp weight of fresh rain and grass. It's morning now, gray and clean with rain. I turn back and gaze through the trees at where the majestic, terrifying sandstone castle should have been, but there's nothing. Just the decrepit, crumbling remains of something that once could have been a house. I make my way across the bike path to the sandstone wall. A plastic bottle holding a beautiful, wilted bouquet of flowers is perched in one of the hollows where a brick once was. The blossoms seem so vibrant, so strange, even as they curl in on themselves, readying for death. It seems so deliberate. I move my hands over the velvet petals, then the crumbling bricks, feeling each crack, each line, each corner. I let my fingertips graze over the strokes of pencils, permanent markers, decorating the bricks with words. They buzz under my touch, vibrating with some sort of energy. Someone remind me what love feels like, one reads. Don't call me beautiful, reads another. Who wrote these? They feel so familiar. I trace my finger over an empty space on one of the bricks. A word appears. Gifted. That one is mine. It's still there now. I have been saving it to the very end. If you see it, think of me. I will be thinking of you. My fingers wedge themselves between each slab of stone. I find a notch in the mortar between two plain bricks with my fingertip. I probe it gently and feel the spongy plaster give way, releasing the entire brick from the wall into my hand. It was easier than I thought it would have been. The dislodged brick in my hands is heavy, thick with history, thick with a deep, embedded evil. The coarse edges rub against my wizened palms. It quivers in my hand, alive, ready, hungry, like a magnet wanting to return home. What happens when I bring it back, through the tunnels, back to Lindsay? What happens when the last brick comes home? I see something low to the ground, all fours careening through the trees, straight toward me. It must be... A dog? The creature is black and white and snarling, saliva stringing from its mouth like spider silk. All I can do is stare, holding the brick. This dog. I know this dog, I'm sure of it. I hear the crack of the undergrowth from a distance away and look. There's a woman. She's calling the dog. Luna! 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 And I feel a white hot flash of recollection, enough to singe away all the ends of my fingers. This woman looks like me, or at least what I remember looking like. She stops, stone cold, her eyes boring into me, but laced with a certain vacancy, like I'm invisible. I feel the faraway ache of panic, but nothing surfaces. 
Can I feel anything at all? No, I can't. The realization should despair me. It doesn't. Help me, I try to say, projecting my glass-like voice as loud as I can against the walls of my skull. Help us. You are next. I know you are. Fear wells in her face. I see the muscles in her throat move as if to speak and feel them move in me. I turn and sprint through the trees back to the foundation I came from. I feel her follow me, her and the dog she called Luna. Don't come with me. I beg from the cavern in my chest. Don't follow me. Don't come back. I scramble underneath the sandstone slab, holding the brick in the concave of my withered body. I reach the drop-off, the one at the back of the hollow, and climb down just enough to see over the edge. My long limbs suspend me there like an insect, like a spider in a web. The dog flattens itself to the earth and whines, desperate to chase me down. I see the woman's sneakers appear, then knees, then wrists, as she crouches down, grabbing a hold of the dog. The edge of her face, then her eyes, she searches the dark. Don't see me. Her brow furrows, she squints. We stare at one another for a long, long moment, and I swear I see that fatal spark of curiosity light up in her eyes. Don't follow me. I think as hard as I can. I drop down into the abyss. Since then, I have been waiting for the night she comes to me, to the other place. She will crawl the tunnels, she will find her way here, and she will leave her mark on the wall. She will take her first piece as she's been asked, and we will start again. I will disappear. Until then, I visit the wall, take what I can, and return. And you watch the wall crumble over time, resolving it as the natural order of things. What you don't think about is how Lindsay's smile grows wider each time a piece comes home. Like a void ready to swallow the universe. I haven't seen Miss Chang in a very long time. I wonder if she's still there, in that blue house with the big picture window. I don't remember much about her anymore, sometimes even forgetting her entirely, but I hope she's okay, that she still has her protectors. Sometimes I will leave gifts at the wall, things that I find, hats, flowers. I arrange them around the wall so that you will know, so that she will know before it's too late. Know that I'm here, that something bad is coming. My words are there for you as warnings. And now I leave you with this, because I don't know when the cycle begins again. If you're hearing this, I have made it through. I ask you to remember, to think of me, to be careful. If you go looking for trouble, you might just find it. So if someone ever calls you gifted, if you see the shimmer of something faceless, if you hear the hum of wasps, if you find the cavern in the woods, run and don't ever go back. Welcome back to our world. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, we would love it if you left us a rating and a review in your podcast app. And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. You can also join us on Patreon for some exclusive Explore content, as well as a look behind the scenes. 
I wanted to give one last shout out to a podcast I think you'll enjoy. It's called Tavern Tales. It's a funny and adventurous actual play Dungeons and Dragons podcast that's DM by Kyle Gould, who you just heard voicing Lindsay in this episode. Find it wherever podcasts can be found. The Folly was written by Madeline Hunter-Smith and directed by me, Andrew G. Cooper. It featured Kyle Gould, Kiki Young, and Kiana Wu. This season of Explore was created and produced by me, Andrew G. Cooper. Cassandra Watson is our assistant producer, and Skylar Desjardins is our production and technical manager. Sound design by Alexander Kalman, original music by Jonathan Lewis, and audio engineering by Kyle Marshall. Explore is produced by Jupiter Theatre with Media Lab YYC. This season is created and presented in Mokinstis, also called Calgary, in Treaty 7 territory, which is the traditional territory of the Blackfoot Confederacy, which includes the Kainai, Siksika, and Pikani nations, Tsutina, Deni Nation, and the Stony Nakoda Nation, which includes the Bearspaw, Chiniki, Wesley Nations, and the Metis Nation, Region 3. We're so grateful to be able to work and create in this territory and to celebrate its land. This season is supported by the Calgary Arts Development, City of Calgary, and the Rose Foundation. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. You won't see us, but we'll see you.